everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. Q, you might not realize it, but this weekend is the uh, the national Wookiee holiday of Life Day celebrated by oh. all the Wookiees on Kashyyyk. And I was just curious if you're doing anything to celebrate. I, well, I, I started planning weeks ago. Um, essentially what I... Uh, am doing is i'm not trimming or removing any amount of body hair so i'm really just trying to live my full natural wookie life to see if that sort of helps me celebrate their culture a little bit more do you think chewbacca ever shaved like do you think he'd be looking even worse <laughs> I, yeah throw subjectivity th- into here but i, I think he's a, he's a handsome wookie but like there's one of those weird hairless cats underneath uh chewbacca <laughs> what would he look like if he just shaved it all off he would probably look uh forgive the term he'd probably look pretty shit wouldn't he he'd just look like a weird very deep bellowy but ultimately <laughs> wrinkly weird guy because he's super old right i guess so although in the Star Wars Holiday Special, the reason for the season, uh, there is um, we do get to meet Chewbacca's father at a Chichuk, uh, who we call Itchy in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Who a uh, little bit of Star Wars trivia uh, was the starring character of the campaign mode of Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds, which was the uh, Star Wars themed Age of Empires reskin. So uh, all that ties back into the Holiday Special. My goodness, he's an old Wookiee, and he looks like an old ass Wookiee. So. I don't know. Chewbacca still looks pretty young and vital. You're right. And he's been that. He's kind of ageless, isn't he? He's the George Clooney or the uh, (laughs) the uh, who are are some people. I would say Patrick Stewart is ageless. But, you know, seeing trailers for the upcoming Star Trek Picard show and going back and watching an episode of TNG, you realize that he, like all of us, is slowly melting into a sack of flesh <laughs> that uh, will inevitably end up in the ground. Everybody, happy holidays. Act accordingly. <laughs> uh, we should be so lucky. That's right. Uh, let's get to some video game pitches today and keep right. the spirit of life day alive in our hearts. Yes. All the year round. Um, <laughs> perfect. I hope that came out good over the mic. Who well, I'm going to find out when I listen to this episode. I guess I guess we'll find out during the edit. Uh, what I want to pitch today is a game about hunting mythological creatures. But unlike mm. Monster Hunter, where the monsters are obvious and approachable, uh, these are monsters that are based on regional urban legends and are very difficult to find or summon. So you set traps in the woods, you prepare elaborate rituals, hunt something that few have ever seen uh, perhaps in a massive open world based on a region of the u.s or something like that but basically it's less about the fight and more about doing whatever it takes to summon this creature and ensure that you're ready to defeat it when that uh when that time comes so i'm gonna start the clock there and let's see where we get Ooh, our 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 pitches have strange overlap this week but we'll get to that one uh, in, <laughs> okay. in a little bit um yeah, I like this. I, I, so what I'm wondering is, how is this not a game of just not doing anything and wait? <laughs> uh, so I guess unlike movie monsters, where the best thing that you could do to lure a monster out is to 
uh, call for your friends in the woods or maybe have <laughs> yeah. sex in a camping tent. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah, virgin having sex is big red flag for a lot of monsters. These are the more kind of esoteric monsters that are, uh, yeah, let's say like the chupacabra or the, uh, I don't know, anything you would run into and where the water tastes like wine. Uh, something that has kind of a story attached to it whether it's like elaborate summoning of like a demonic force or whether it is like something that is fabled to live in the woods but no one's ever seen it like i i like that sense of like no one's ever seen it because obviously they've never seen it because it doesn't exist but like it also paints this picture of like well if it's been around for all this time and no one has ever seen it it must be some like master of hiding away. I like the idea of rituals being a part of this and like having things that are essentially, you know, I don't know if a rain dance is something like that, but like the Sasquatch dance uh, is uh, is kind of interesting, but it like, does that, all of that stuff stack and just increase your chances? Am I like, because Monster Hunter is very like deploy on a mission to go find mm-hmm. a thing you succeed or fail within a time limit. Are you imagining the same constraints about time limits or is this a little bit more almost like be just being out in the wild of like a ghost recon wild lands or something where yeah. you're just kind of out there and you can happen upon these things. I think like if they are special and meaningful and let's say they're the raid content of this game, uh, not, not mm-hmm. that it has to be a live game or what have you, but they're the biggest, most prestige content in the game. What is the, what does the day-to-day look like? Is is it just like covering yourself in what you imagine is Sasquatch-scented urine and hoping that you're like <laughs> attracting them? So just like real life then. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's how I start my Mondays anyway. This is a game that would take place kind of over multiple days of perhaps not even seeing a monster. Whereas in Monster Hunter, like you kind of if you just walk in one direction for long enough, you'll happen upon it eventually because it's just this giant dinosaur, essentially. You know, the stories that people tell about like, oh, you can summon Bloody Mary by performing this, like saying the specific chant and spinning around in front of a mirror. And you have all these like specific things that you have to do. You can kind of like engage with these systems at any time by just learning about the stories that take place within your this just open environment. Uh, There might be large kind of wooded areas. There might be desert areas. There might be even like suburban areas. And they all have like uh, different uh, things you can see and experience and learn about that will point you towards encountering some of these monsters. Oh, that's interesting. So maybe like all of the things that I can do in the game earn me a certain type of reputation or xp or something like that that let me level up knowledge of the monster and like monster hunter you get the better you know the monster the more you're able to detect tracks or detect traces of the monster but it still remains like very hard so at the beginning of the game you have no sense of the monster but like by the end you can reliably track these high level monsters and kill them and turn them into armor. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always such a weird end game of, uh, of monster hunter to be like, all right, uh, you found that monster. Congratulations. Kill it 50,000 times and wear its skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, that's an interesting point. I don't really know what the, what the goal is this time, whether you are a researcher trying to, maybe you're a collector who's, 
collecting these like monsters that you are taking home and adding to a collection. Maybe it's more of like a catch and release thing if you're a researcher who just kind of wants to learn about it. Yeah, uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, maybe you're like the witcher trying to protect towns. Like you literally take your photo with it all tied up or whatever, but then you, <laughs> sure. you have to let it go. Yeah, maybe maybe it's maybe it's you have like a really fun, like cute, quaint little reason for wanting to find them like that. I'm trying to think about when you do like say you've captured all the biggest monsters or the biggest legends in the game. What does that mean? In terms of, is that like what the end of the game feels like, or is there a reason to sort of catch them again? Or, or maybe, I guess, I don't know how you would do this because obviously somebody needs to be the first person to catch the monsters, but you always need to, to initiate the hunt. You need to be with someone else who has actually caught the monster before. I want to break down the layers of gatekeeping that, that monster hunter has. Um, I would like kind of like outer worlds or outer wilds god now i'm doing it the opposite way oh no uh it's the worst um like outer wilds like there's nothing that is actually a barrier from you finishing the game from the beginning it's just your understanding of the world around you if somebody did have the advice or even just like an inkling of of how to start looking for something from somebody else that real world knowledge could immediately and directly translate into kind of actionable results within the game so if we're breaking down those barriers and making it a lot more versatile and a lot more flattened, then I think it would be interesting to maybe be able to, on this on a, a large open world plane or something like that, be able to build a little cabin or something where you can hang your photos and your trophies of all the things that you've done and collected, or maybe yeah. like getting back to your cabin lets you set up one of those crazy uh paranoid police officer cork boards where you're drawing strings and stuff <laughs> into each other and you have you can physically manipulate that stuff to get a sense of what the whole thing ends up feeling like and and maybe even that's how you like plan out your hunts yeah um some way to kind of collate the information that you found and make it uh, make it make sense to whatever degree you can Maybe you can find items in the environment that uh, certain creatures are attracted to or weak to, things that you have to collect. Uh, there's a lot of like herbology in traditional mythology, you know, like vampires, of course, being allergic to garlic. I guess it's more than an allergy, but uh, that's a kind way of putting it. Um, you know, maybe you really have to become kind of accustomed to the local roots and herbs and collect them manually to effectively hunt these monsters. One thing that Monster Hunter doesn't quite do is like capturing pieces or being able to finally track down and capture a monster is using resources that you use to capture the monster is how you locate or begin tracking the next monster. Because like Monster Hunter is very mission-based, like you could do a linear monster progression until you get like it, it what is it going to be bigfoot or something at the top really something super <laughs> fabled or the loch ness monster goes along the way that sort of stuff we're just about out of time let's go ahead and close that down and come away with a name apex legends <laughs> that's a that's a solid name because <laughs> you are the apex predator of legendary creatures i kind of wish we could just use it 
<laughs> I mean, Apex Predator. You get something there too. Apex Predator. It sounds sounds so mean spirited, and it sounds so action oriented. It does. Yeah, feels like it's kind of leading you in the wrong direction. <laughs> I guess there's like Apex Hunter or something like that. Yeah, all of this feels very like elite bro culture stuff. Is there something about being a tracker? Mm, I like that. Uh, I mean, you can just call it tracker. Tracker's pretty good. <laughs> I also, I don't know why I'm just thinking of every other video game title right now when it comes to this, but Tracker Elite <laughs> also <laughs> came to mind. <laughs> you can Sniper Elite and you can Tracker Elite. Your choice. All right. Well, then let's just go with Tracker Elite then. That's a, that's a, a nice title. And let's move over to your game for the day. What are you bringing us? Ah, <sighs> so you go into the wilderness and you track a series of that. No, um, this week I'm bringing to you something that is also matching some of your format in terms of going, seeking out a place and pursuing uh, what it means to be in that place. And it looks a little bit like you playing a ghost hunter. Uh, so you are going into a house and you're doing things like all of your, <laughs> this feels a little bit silly to say, all of your traditional ghost hunting sort of actions where you are first doing a survey, maybe you interview uh, the family, and then you set up a little base station in the, the room of the house and you run wires to different rooms where you are setting up video cameras and you do sweeps of the house with audio equipment and temperature equipment to find cold spots and all that stuff that's in good ghost fiction or fact i, I don't uh, i don't believe in ghosts but maybe sure. my mind will be open for the purposes haven't you met one before that's true that's true um he's he's a friend okay yeah i prefer not to use <laughs> that yeah so you do all that stuff and then you eventually encounter the entity but based on all the evidence that you gather you are trying to figure out and of course the objects in the house you are trying to solve puzzles and figure out how to finish the ghost business or if you encounter a particularly uh, evil spirit a demon if you will then you have to perform an exorcism all right let's go ahead and start the clock there this is perfect for our November 14th show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have a Merry Thanksgiving, everybody. And <laughs> that's exactly how you say that. There's no questions there either. We are recording this just before Halloween. So obviously you are getting into the spirit. <laughs> and uh, I I like this. Obviously, I'm a f in favor of all ghost-related pitches. And this is remarkably similar <laughs> to, what, to what I pitched. So we're really, uh, really kind of chasing a theme here we're looking for a lot of setup we're looking for some tantric gameplay aren't we <laughs> i think maybe what one thing that could make this thing feel a little bit different from yours is the sense of space right a house is very contained and confined and i mm -hmm. i think you could also put a lot of things in a house that feel a little bit like resident evil style puzzle solving so you create a sense of manipulating a lot of small objects or turning things over and uncovering things and finding holes in the wall. I was watching, uh, you know, we talk about this is 
uh, right before Halloween we were recording this, I was watching a lot of The Conjuring, and that that was a, a movie that sort of slowly exposes all these strange details about this house, whether it's like holes in the wall or things that are hidden underneath pieces of furniture and all of these secrets that sort of reveal the history of the house that these people are inhabiting. Okay. So, um, one of the things that I find interesting about ghosts and haunted objects, especially is that like sometimes ghosts can kind of become confined within an object, whether it's like a creepy doll or a haunted music box or something like that. Like what if there are ways to, to kind of like determine if objects in your environment are haunted or maybe capture ghosts within certain objects? Oh, that's kind of interesting. So a ghost can be, I guess, ghost busted into objects into the house. Yeah, potentially Uh, as a way of containing them. uh, I guess, what is the goal? Are you driving ghosts out? Are you putting them somewhere? Are you sucking them into vacuum packs? Yeah. So I think the, the idea is to rid the house of ghosts. So I think you could do a whole... You could do a little bit of a contained, you know, one to four hour experience where it is about one particular house. You could do almost like Hitman-esque levels where you're going into different houses uh, that you're like you're driving all around a small town or something and you're going into different houses, sort of helping people take care of their ghost and demonic possession problems. But I do like the idea of if you... One of the sort of things in the fiction of that Conjuring movie is that there are your ghosts and then there are demons and a demon requires requires an exorcist because you need to be exercised. That means it also ends up possessing a member of the house. So I think you could set up a lot of interesting levels or even playthroughs of individual of a single individual level where the demon becomes malevolent at some point because of actions that the ghost hunters take. Maybe you're too aggressive or you you don't quite solve the puzzles in the right way and it becomes frustrated. It sort of turns evil. And then who in the house it ends up possessing and the, the sort of motive and destruction that that person uh, can cause and how they end up causing it. Like they're they essentially look out for moments. Uh, you can't tell if a spirit is good or mm. evil until it really commits an act of violence against you. And so you you might even have mechanics where you're trying to goad out uh, a sense of whether or not this thing is uh, an evil or good spirit. Do you want to solve its problem or will solving its problem and setting it free really like cause more problems because it's evil or something? I guess then what do you do with the good spirits? Do you just kind of let them go about their... Well, would you handle it any differently? Maybe maybe for good spirits, it's about recovering an artifact from the house. Okay. So every house is a little bit of a treasure hunt. You could do that in a combination of both sort of shifting secret passageways and doors and that sort of thing, a la Imagined If Gone Home was actually a ghost game, spooky, spooky, scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> or uh, you could do a Gone Home with a combination of some puzzle box like elements like the room where you are taking a particular chest or an heirloom and finding all of these crazy hidden spaces and compartments and all that thing. Perhaps if there's a day night cycle, there might be a time at which the ghosts become more 
active or more powerful kind of have you at a disadvantage versus if you're exploring during the day? That's a great idea. And so may, this is this kind of plays into I know we're mapping into a lot onto this particular movie's fiction, but whatever. There's also this kind of mechanic where, yeah, the ghosts are ever present, but they like to come out at certain times of day. But you and your crew, you need sleep. Uh, to monitor the house uh, and to protect mm-hmm. the residents of the house. So you are constantly trying to adjust sort of survival things, right? Which is like, I have to eat at some point, I have to sleep or else I won't be able to perform my job or even, God forbid, have to you know perform an exorcism. But also, if you are asleep, those are the points where you could miss something or you could uh not be able to defend someone if a demon like decides that they want to possess at that particular moment so you could really find yourself in a world of pain when you wake up there's something that's interesting i think in that movie they do something where the clock stops at a particular time and so they start noticing that the clock stops at a particular mm. time and that gives them a clue to sort of research or maybe there's there's a way to like go through one of those old horrible library newspaper clipping machines <laughs> that, <we've, laughs> that I've only ever seen in a movie. I've never interacted with in real life. Um, be able to go and like find out something that happened that, uh, or to whom it happened to uh, in that house or in that neighborhood and lead you down mm. a path of investigation. And so I do like this to be a little bit more of a personal investigation uh and yet to go even more into the playwright pitch, it's almost a cop game as much as it is a uh, a sort of hunter game. So I like these supernatural occurrences around the house. What if what if there's a lot of occurrences, things like pots getting knocked over and books turning to certain pages, but there are perhaps multiple ghosts and you just kind of have to have to uh, try to decide how many there are and who is kind of prone to doing what. Because if you kind of get your wires crossed, if you are uh, if you are doing something that you think will draw out one particular ghost, but you actually are uh, doing something that resonates with another ghost, like maybe the one you were trying to get will become angry, or maybe there's... Uh, some sort of a negative repercussion to mis, uh, misunderstanding what all the clues mean. I like that. And then you could even introduce scenarios where you go into a particular house. There's even some question, maybe if you're detecting inconsistencies in behavior, there's some question as to how many spirits you're dealing with, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of a common thing in these ghost fiction movies where you're like, well, it turns out there's actually three separate spirits here. Yeah. That was one of the more upsetting turns in The Exorcist. <laughs> there's like, oh, there's 20 demons inside of Reagan and she's she's in tough shape. So, Well, we're at time on that one. Let's come up with the name. Can't be The Exorcist. That's taken, unfortunately. See, if you have trouble reading, you could be The Dyslexorcist. Yep. You could be. <laughs> a solid joke. Ooh, is there is there something that is like using one of those terms like paranormal or phenomenon or clairvoyant or something like that? This was a space thing. It could be like terra normal. I mean, you could say that. I mean, they would be if you did this, but in outer worlds, you would have terra normal. I think part of the fun of ghost fiction is like setting it in a very grounded relatable setting so that you can't sleep at night because it looks just like your own bedroom. What if uh 
What if you just called it like something that is like, don't they, what do they call it when the temperature drops in an area? Is it like a cold spot? Okay. Yeah. Maybe just cold spots or something like that as cold spots. Oh, here we go. I'm, I'm on Wikipedia. A c- cold spot. <laughs> According to ghost hunters, a cold spot is an area of localized coldness or a sudden decrease in ambient temperature. Many ghost hunters use digital thermometer. Da, 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 da. There's also orbs. That's a cool word. Orbs. <laughs> Digital thermometer. That's a solid title for a ghost hunting game. Um, Infrasound measures sound vibrations. That's a very cool word. I mean, you could make some of the main mechanic of like tracking down entities around the house with uh, one of these sound monitoring things. Paranorman. Perfect. Ooh, this is interesting. Depiction in media. No, that's a terrible title. No, no. Uh, <laughs> first of all, Poltergeist, great word. This is something, I guess it is, it was a TV series called Haunted Collector. I wonder if Collector is just a cool, very sort of short, The Collectors or something. The Collectors, oh. Haunted Homes. <laughs> that sounds like a like a show on HGTV. The Collectors. <laughs> no, Haunted Homes. Oh, Haunted Homes. Yeah, it definitely does. And then, of <laughs> course, the spinoff, Haunted Tiny Homes. What if it's just The Collectors and that's the name of your group? So you go and okay. you're called in by these people and you're The Collectors. All right. And they can have a Collectors Edition as well. Of course. <laughs> the Collectors Edition. Oh, I love it. It's been a long time since people have used Collectors Editions. Uh, in video games it's been it's been a good generation or so it's all about digital deluxe editions now and gold and silver editions gold silver and, and let's let us not forget the ultimate yeah <laughs> edition all right let's uh let's go over to get over to the community this this community pitch today comes from chesney mooncalf who says good day to you sirs hope this missive finds you well i have another idea for you I'd like a game where you play an actor. I see it working kind of like a cross between Monkey Island style point and click adventure and a Guitar Hero style rhythm action game. Instead of the choice of dialogues you get in Monkey Island, you get all of the lines, all the lines your part has in the play film TV show. And it's up to you to choose the right line, the right time. You'd start off with really basic parts, like being a non-speaking extra, where you just have to stand in the right place in the background and gradually build up to bigger roles that require more and more complicated and nuanced performances. Maybe somehow introduce emotions to the performance, too. So so in addition to choosing the right line, you can choose from a list of emotions in which to pitch the line. Over time, your actor would collect more emotions to use in future performances. Maybe as time passed, you can direct your career in different directions. If you want to be seen as an actor with more integrity, you could focus on stage performances. Or if you want quick and easy money, focus on TV commercials. That, all right, that sounds great. Thank you very much, Chesney Mooncalf. Let's go ahead and start the clock there. This is a great idea. I I love the idea of the... The actual job, the acting is like a Guitar Hero rhythm game because acting is kind of rhythm, isn't it? Yeah. And I love spinning this off into the career direction as well, where you're kind of you're building certain skill sets, you know, maybe taking different types of roles. I'm always very interested when actors who have kind of made it big in uh, film and and, uh, TV end up uh doing like stage productions like you saw um benedict cumberbatch doing hamlet recently and that kind of thing where it's like i don't know whether it is just a stunt from the opera house to get people back into the theater or whether it is the actor wanting to 
gain new skills or go back to their roots or something like that. But it just always seems like a really interesting choice. Yeah, there's there's also that you saw Daniel Radcliffe do it after Harry Potter, almost as like a I need to reset who I even am. I'm I'm not a small boy wizard. <laughs> I'm I'm a person who can do very different things than just, uh, you know, huge budget sci-fi action films, which is kind of what the Harry Potters are. The idea of off the set, though, having a it's almost like the off the set stuff you could have more drama in if the off the set was more because I think everybody or at least I know I do. I love a show about a show, whether that's uh, 30 Rock is, I think, a comedy that's made better by the fact that everybody's trying to be on a comedy show, that kind of thing, or that season of Curb Your Enthusiasm when they're trying to reunite Seinfeld uh, or put on the producer's. All of that, like the funniest stuff and the best stuff is actually happening behind the scenes. And then whether that's like a point and click adventure or like a telltale style adventure game where you're executing lines and you're trying to make right decisions and uh, your your agent will remember that <laughs> sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the acting itself is almost mechanical. It's it's like. It's the rhythm game kind of emphasizes the point of like this is unnatural um, and kind of exposes uh, those things for what they are. So the aspect of actually acting, I find really interesting. Um, Obviously, staging is an interesting aspect of it. Uh, Having to move to particular places to hit your mark to... You know, I, there's there's a lot to uh, to get the timing right on your line delivery and everything. You know, maybe you are tasked with memorizing a script and you have to choose between like four options for every line, but you still have to like say it on time uh, and have to be standing in the right place. Like this could get really complex if we want to take it in that direction. What does a Guitar Hero game feel like? You're executing rhythm-like stuff that is coming down in a track, maybe running across the bottom or top of the screen, wherever, coming straight at you, however you want to picture it. But also you have 3D third-person character analog movement uh, with the left joystick, say, Mm -hmm. in this scenario. So you're actually trying to walk around and you have marks that you're supposed to hit as an actor, right? And you're getting maybe on-screen prompts to the director to telling telling you what your blocking is going to be for a scene, then you combine that with having to execute in the right timing, and that's how you get sort of a full performance, right? Like, which is like, hit your lines and hit your marks. There could also be a time management aspect of this where you uh, you can choose how to spend your time when you're not in rehearsals, Or I mean, even when you're in rehearsals, maybe you are kind of struggling to make ends meet. And so you have to get a part-time job so you can afford to live in LA or wherever, New York. But all of that time that you're spending making money is taking away from the time that you could spend studying your role, maybe doing research with the types of people that, and all of that adds kind of like passive multipliers. So if you spend time doing research with actual people who fought in the Vietnam War, then like you will get passive benefits of uh, to when you are performing. And maybe if you spend more time studying your roles, the four button prompts that you have for any line 
will be condensed. And so you don't have to read through the entire line in the short amount of time that you have. Like you can very quickly determine what is the correct thing to say next. You know, it still requires a bit of memorization of the show flow, but you know, if you if you get to the highest level of mastery in in your practicing because that's where you've dedicated your time, then the button prompts are like one word prompts that you can very quickly identify instead of being like full fallout three style sentences. Oh, that's interesting. And what if that the research or whatever that you do offset or who you decide to engage with and talk to, maybe that unlocks, say, like on purpose, more difficulty. Like that allows mm. you to open up, you know, the the second, third and fourth button to the rhythm game uh, or fifth and sixth button, you know, so you get the full like you go from guitar hero to guitar hero top and bottom, you know, that sort of super complex version of guitar hero that they they had at one point. Maybe that was a rock band that was doing top and bottom notes and you essentially the more you research and the more you understand and maybe the more you practice with scene partners, the more nuance you unlock in your performance and you're upping the difficulty on yourself, but you're getting a better performance out of you, which maybe gets you better jobs or gets you better opportunities for the next level. So you, you have a way of controlling the difficulty on yourself. As Chesney said, like maybe there's ways to select different types of roles for commercials versus TV versus movies versus stage versus opera or ballet that require different gameplay styles. So some of them might just naturally be easier, but have different rewards, um, maximize your skills in different ways. It, I mean, this could be spun out into something that plays more like a Dungeons and Dragons style um, role-playing game, you know, like a Disco Elysium just came out recently, which is a very heavily D&D inspired uh, you know, roll the dice type game that is all about being a detective. One thing that I like about that direction is, and, and in all of this, the narrative wrapping, <laughs> I love the idea of having down periods in between uh, your next gig scripts coming in. And so many times you, you wonder where like in a movie prop making process, like an actor realizes, oh, this is going to be shit. I'm making a bad movie <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and maybe it's that they can never tell. And that's how great actors end up in bad movies. Or maybe it's that they suspect, but they couldn't know. Or maybe it all just falls apart in the editing room. But the idea of you have access to a pile of scripts and your computer and, and your computer has just like a fake little instead of YouTube, it's like move tube and it's like a movie uh, trailers uh, website. And so all you can do is see, you can read the first couple pages of script with your lines on them to be like, okay, this is about what I'll be saying. Then you can go look up the, the director's um, other movie trailers. And so you have a great excuse to cut a bunch of fake and 
uh, hope, hopefully ranging from <laughs> very well executed all the way to very ridiculous movie trailers that uh, each of these directors have done. And so you start to get a sense of director style and like aspiring to work with certain directors. And like one day, um, Martin Sklorbezzi's script will come across my desk and I'm going to say yes to it. All right. Uh, we're at about time. So let's call that one and move on. Uh, so what are we going to call it? This is, I think this is taken by a TV show or something, but I do love the idea of like using an old term like Tinseltown or something like that. <laughs> Tinseltown is fun and it uh, gets us in the mood for the upcoming holiday season. It's a good ah. transition out of Halloween and into the ever encroaching Christmas time. You know, I really, I re- recently learned that Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving way before us. That's true. They've got like a month and a half leap on the Americans and Thanksgiving. So good for you, Canada. You, you already, you're already done. You don't have to have all that pain of it's Halloween and then it's Christmas. You get your Thanksgiving time nice and in there. All right. Well, that'll, uh, that'll wrap it up for today. That was Chesney Mooncalf writing in to our website that was playwrightcast.com slash pitch you can submit your own video game idea there or you can even email us your video game idea if you would like us to talk about it on the show that is uh, playwrightcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at playwrightcast special thank you to protodome for the use of our theme song hello world off the album blue noise and of course go check out the other great shows on the cane and rinse podcast network like the Canon Rinse Review Podcast, Sound of Play, and The Sausage Factory. And have we added any new shows recently? Do I need to keep that? Uh, not since then. Nope. <laughs> All right. That's, that's good. And if anybody out there wants to personally transcribe all of the text in the Outer Worlds and enlarge it for me, that would be a great <laughs> help for my old man eyes. So that's just a call to action for our listeners. I, I don't know if I can continue playing it until the text gets at least 10 points larger. So please help me out. Be a, be a kind, generous person this, uh, this holiday season. you just need a TV that's 10 times as big as the one There we now. go. You know what you say that? I actually saw an 85-inch television or 86-inch <laughs> television uh, yesterday at Best Buy, and I was like, there's something that's pretty nice about this. <laughs> just use that as a computer monitor. Set it on top of your desk. <laughs> that's right. You're, like you're and, at the IMAX every time that you're reading Word documents. I'm just fast-forwarding that radiation poisoning. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, For a last feature, we like to give a miniature pitch. And I guess that's coming from me today. What I want to feature is uh, you are a thief breaking into heaven to steal all of God's jewels. Mm. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.